looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. This week's guest is Matt Sudica with OB Insurance. Matt, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah. Hi, Matt Sudica from OB. Uh, we are a, an insurance company built for the habitational space. So whether you're uh, you know, a one single family SFR or you know, a thousand units uh, in Texas, that's kind of what we specialize on. And uh, we try to also bring a little technology into the space as well to kind of bring us from the 1980s, I'd say to, you know, 2021 now um, with this recording. So yeah, so we do have insurance. It's uh, all we do. And uh, I feel like we, we try to do a good job for our partners. Yeah, I love it. Well, tell us how you, what your history is in the insurance space and how you got into the insurance space starting out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a fun story. So I actually just had my dad uh, retire from 40 years of State Farm. Uh, on Friday. And so that's how I got into the industry, you know, born and raised into it. There's not too many people. uh, And if they're listening to this, and they say that I'm lying here, they're lying that grow up and say, Oh, I want to be an insurance broker, right? Like, (laughs) people want to be in real estate, people want to maybe be a big lender, like that's the sexy stuff, you know, Uh, most people kind of either fall into insurance or, you know, have some lineage or whatever. So, um, for me, it was, you know, my dad and family into it, uh, started off in the state farm ranks, which is a lot of home and auto type of insurance, Of course, uh, spun into real estate by doing a big partnership with a real estate company called Century 21, yep. uh, which is a big real estate company that uh, a lot in the Midwest and, and different areas that you might have heard of. Um, through that, we just started getting connected with lenders. And if you're probably listening to this podcast, you understand that kind of uh, how that works, right? You do one deal for a lender, lender has an emergency, you know, deal with another client, they bring you in and next thing you know, it just kind of snowballs. So we went from home to small rentals to, you know, to large apartments. And then we started working with some syndication groups. And so that's kind of my background and, you know, uh, kind of dropped the home and auto from what I do. And now just, I say anything with a building. So apartments, you know, small multifamily uh, shopping centers, you know, retail centers, you know, building insurance, if you will. Right. Yeah, definitely. Now I, I love that. And we'll get into a little bit about how, uh, OB gets into like the technology side of things. We'll definitely chat with that. Um, but you've definitely used technology to leverage your relationship with other individuals. That's how you and I met. I believe I, the first time I actually heard of you was from Whitney Sewell's podcast and yep. we connected, I think on LinkedIn and then, you know, we've been you know, working together, doing quotes, trying to get a deal together. Um, I've even sent you out to some other people um, through Obi. So talk to us exactly what Obi does and how Obi can serve multifamily syndicators or, or building owners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, you know, you'll probably laugh at this, but in, in this space and every space, everybody wants things instantly, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. And so what we saw was that nothing was instant when it re- <laughs> as it relates to real estate or insurance in these deals. And so we're not quite there completely with instant across the board, but we do, we did start with an instant product now. So if you have a one to four unit 
rental anywhere in the country, you can go to our site and you can get insurance within a minute or two. You don't even have to chat with us, wow, you know, get your awesome. certificate, right? Our goal is to be able to one day, maybe within the next 24 months, be able to do that for a hundred units or 200 units. And in some States we do have uh, um, some instant flows for those larger, um, those larger multifamily deals, but really, you know, the biggest thing that is a hiccup in the space, right. Is the lender lender requirements, right. And getting things yeah. to close. Um, and then you have almost like three phases of a deal, right. You have the LOI space, which is a fast space, right. Because you need insurance quotes to kind of back up what you're going to do on your, uh, your submissions, right. To make sure your NOI numbers and all that yeah. add up. And that's a tough space for most insurance agents because we don't want to burn our bridges with these carriers going out on an LOI. Like our office gets 10, 20, it feels like new LOI submissions a day, right? right. If we go out to our carriers, you know, that uh, we really need for the under contract ones, um, they're going to be mad that they have like a one in 50 that close ratio, right? Right, right. So we're trying to use technology data from past transactions, past carriers, to simplify the LOI submission and hopefully be, uh, mid to end of 2022, we're going to actually have a full digital LOI process where you can go anywhere in the country, as many units as you want, apartment, put in your zip code, put in four or five variables and get that LOI. So that's one tech I think that'll be really big for this space, you know, being able to, you know, real quick on a Sunday night, pull your insurance numbers for an LOI. You know, after that, I think the tech and the speed is just, understanding lender requirements, understanding all the Arbor, Bancorp, Fannie, Freddie requirements, being able to apply those and keep the rates uh, similar. So that's something I think we do as a very white glove service. I think the LOI submission is where we're trying to bring a lot of the tech to. Yeah. And, and that's where it can kind of get bumpy, so to speak, you know, as an operator in the multifamily space, all we're continually doing on the acquisition side is finding properties, underwriting, does this meet our requirements? Yes, no, you know, and you go back and forth. And once you find a property that meets a majority of those metrics, then you're like, okay, next step is we're going to submit an LOI. And when you get to that area where you're submitting an LOI, a letter of intent, for those that are unaware of what that is, you kind of want to firm up your numbers a little bit more. And that's when I can imagine people will kind of start to, to contact you. So let's play that out a little bit. Let's pretend I, I underwrote a deal. It looks really good. We used a rough estimate for insurance. We didn't really put any hard and fast numbers in there, but I shoot you over an email and I say, Hey Matt, listen, you know, we've got this awesome property. We've talked to the broker. We feel like we've got a pretty good shot at it. We're going to submit an LOI. What would you say next steps are? Yeah. Ne next steps are pretty simple. You know, we're going to either need an OM if it's, you know, an, you know, basically it's on market or if it's off market and you respond with that, we have a, I don't know, it's six to eight questions, you know, uh, yep that we need. And that's really the next steps uh, as far as who's trying to go get the thing from us. We'll also kind of want some type of time frame. you know, is this, are you coming to us at LOI that's due tomorrow or is this something that has a couple weeks? Right. And really the reason we want to know that is not, you know, I mean, to be straight honest, we're always trying to, you know, balance the priorities of our clients. Right. But really more than anything is that we want to know how much time we have because that allows us to just how many carriers we can go out to, how many estimates we can get and how creative we need to be. If you say, Hey, it's Monday at 3 PM and you need this Tuesday morning. Well, that's going to really limit us. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I think if you yeah. say you need it by Friday or you need it next week, it, it really just uh, allows us to be more accurate or go out to more carriers or, you know, get the, 
the estimate. And then, you know, once we give you that estimate, we, we kind of hold that in queue for you. Uh, clearly we're, we're doing that based off of not knowing claims and wiring and a bunch of stuff, but we try to do the best we can, uh, with the information provided. And then we kind of wait to see if you win the bid, right. And then when you get under contract, that starts, you know, step two, right. And step two is we actually go out to all the carriers. Then at that point, we're grinding down the price and we're waiting for step three, which is lender requirements, right. right. Which yep. is going to be the ultimate. It doesn't matter what you as the, you know, the syndicator want. For your insurance, it doesn't matter what I think. At the end of the day, we live and die by the person giving us money. Yep. So you know, as soon as stage three comes in, then we can finalize. Yeah, and you guys have a great online portal. So whenever we go in, we ask for a quote from you guys. I automatically get an email that just says, "Hey, yep. this is in process." It has the property name, the address, and it kind of has like a flow chart, so we know where it is in the process, um, which I definitely like. And that's kind of rounding about to where you guys were saying it's not 1980s anymore. It's 2021. And we're really trying to act like that. And I think that'll uh, certainly make you guys stand out in the space. Obviously beating down that NOI for us as operators is very important for the investment and being, you know, as aggressive as can be in today's environment. Um, What are, speaking of lender requirements, what are you seeing like Freddie, Fannie, what are they requiring on these type of multifamily loans today versus if we went to a local bank or a credit union and they're not as, uh, strict about those items. What are you seeing? I, to be honest with you, it's dramatic right now. Um, I'm seeing through any deal that has to go through like Arbor, let's just use an example, is, you know, they're increasing their requirements. They're not decreasing them. And they're even going to the point where I think uh, as of right now, they're a little overboard, right? And I don't know if that's because rates are so low or, you know, and they're, you know, trying to add in more protection, but um there is a huge swing between a local bank and going through Arbor. You know, a local bank isn't going to have these ordinance and law and equipment breakdown and um, terrorism and, uh, you know, just additional, maybe high umbrella uh, items that you may want anyways, but that Arbor is just going to flat out require, right? Right. Um your local banks also will work with you a little bit more. I feel like too, like if I go out and make a point of, you know, there's a lot of times I'll make a point where, Hey, this is just not necessary. Right. Let's just say like, let's just say the apartment didn't have boilers at all. Right. Just mm-hmm. like, right. Your Arbor is probably going to make you have equipment breakdown and just not even, not even like care that you provided them info. Right. Right. Uh, right. Where a local bank is going to be like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Let me remove that. You know, so you, you do get a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, that is a big thing, but really, yeah, the general partnership, when you're going through Arbor, these big, you know, or a bank corp or whatever, they have their black and white requirements that they just throw out there and they make it very hard to get around it. Even if you are um, providing a very compelling, you know, argument, a lot of times it's just easier for them to say no. Um, and they really don't care uh, what that does to your price, right. Of your insurance. I, I get the response at least two, three times a week where I'm like, this is going to hurt the client's price. And they respond back with something. We, we only care about coverage and making mm. sure they're covered. We're not, we're not concerned with, you know, I'm like, well, I am, you know, and the client, right, is yeah. when I call, when I call him or her, right. Yep. And you're not delivering this news, you know, so it, it is, it's tougher and tougher to work with them. I think that helps our value on our side of the game because we really are, we, you know, we had a deal just the other day that, if I had gone with and just provided what Arbor wanted, 
uh, straight up and not argued like 14 things, it was a difference in like $32,000 in premium, right? Wow. Now I had to go back and forth with probably 50 emails and I had to provide documentation and photos and bug the, you know, the, the client or the syndicator a million times, but well worth it. Where I think a lot of people would have just, you know, just, just provided it and said, Hey, sorry, Mr. Or Mrs. Uh, syndicator, you know, sorry, Arbor wants this. Right. And we don't do that. We go through every single line item of requirement. And if we can, you know, pull something out or adjust or lower or whatever, as long as we keep good coverage, we do that. Yeah. So, so you just mentioned that you saved $32,000 in an annual premium on a deal for a client. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So, and, and what market would you say that was? Southeast, Texas, Carolina? Texas. Okay, Texas. perfect. So just to do some simple math to show how important that is and what you did really help that client out is $32,000 that is getting added back into their NOI divided by, let's say a, a 5% cap rate in that market that's $640,000 worth of value to that property. So that means one of two things, either A, this client of yours, if they were in a multiple offer situation, they could get more aggressive on the bidding situation for the property. They could go up, you know, X amount because of not, not just because that helps the price, but it helps the operating income. And then the net operating income, you know, you're adding that much more value to the property so they can operate at a higher level or maybe allocate those dollars somewhere else. So I think that's just super important. That's great. And it goes to show um, how much work you have to do sometimes to get a deal. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was so small, the, the craziness, and it could have even been more, it could have been about 40, 50 if we would have kept going down the road, but it was this down zoning coverage that like, I want to say like, 100 square feet of one building was considered in this down zoning um, jurisdiction, right? And they wanted right. to put the whole complex into this coverage, which was somewhere between a thirty to fifty thousand uh, dollar additional coverage, you know, and because they just weren't looking at it, you know, they were just like, oh, it's down zoning, add this coverage, right? You know, they're just not looking into it. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do, and. Historically, we haven't had to do it as much. Now we're on every deal. We're fine-tuned combing because they're just throwing extra stuff in, you know, uh, extra percentages, extra stuff. You know, we had a deal the other day where they wanted workers comp on an apartment with no employees, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, they just add in stuff that doesn't even sometimes make sense. Right. So talk to us a little bit about like what you are seeing that are real big outliers that are adjusting these pr property premiums. So are you looking at the lost run? What's, and if so, what is standing out to you? That's like, okay, we are at 10,000 on the annual premium. We got to jump up to 12,000 because I saw this. What are some things that you look for and us as operators should be looking for on properties as red flags? This is ideal. Uh, once again, the, the marketing uh, market, because it's hardening, these are more important. So one, yes, loss runs of the seller. Last year, 2019, 2018, we could get away with what's called a no known loss letter, basically a signed piece of paper by the, the person buying the new one saying, I'm not aware of any losses. And most carriers would have took that. Now, 90% mm -hmm. of the carriers want a want loss runs from the seller uh, before they'll even quote, just because they've gotten burned so many times by, you know, not really knowing what's going on, you know, with the property. So loss runs are key. If you have, if there's a giant fire loss or a murder or, you know, arson or, you know, things like that, that come from a seller, that's, that's going to cause the premium to be, to go up and or lose a lot of markets. 
uh, wiring is big. So if you have aluminum wiring, yep. uh, and especially if it's aluminum wiring that hasn't been mitigated, you know, pigtailed or, you know, something like that, that's a, that's a big factor. Um, the other thing is flood. Flood is always a wild card. Uh, flood can be nasty. Flood can be expensive. And, you know, flood is really lender dictated and can really, you know, cause you an issue. And the reason why flood can cause an issue uh, in your LOI to closing is we don't know what the lender is going to require. Uh, for instance, we just had a deal where, you know, 90% of the time we can do 500K a building. And we found out a week before closing that all of a sudden the lender actually on this one wanted uh, the first two floors full building. And so it went from 500K a building to 2.1 million a building. It went from 2,000 in premium to 7,000 in wow. premium on the flood, right? A week before, a week before closing, you know, and I don't want to say there's nothing we could do about it, but it's just, it was one of those things that, you know, we originally quoted this back probably 90 days before then, and you get that information. And that's another piece that we're seeing with the lenders right now and these uh, consulting groups, they're very, I think, overworked and low staff. And they're really getting the final numbers to us insurance, uh, our insurance teams, just such a low time before close, which is also affecting things as well. Yeah, and I mean, something you mentioned, like uh, looking at aluminum wire versus copper wiring, or maybe yep. looking at like galvanized plumbing versus PVC, or mm -hmm. um, e even with uh, poly, poly wiring, or wiring uh, poly plumbing, versus, uh, again, PVC, copper, or PEX, you know, that's all stuff mm -hmm. as operators we look at too. There's certain properties where we won't go back a certain vintage just because of the construction materials in there, not just for insurance, because we know insurance is going to be yeah. a little bit higher sometimes on those products, but just for ourselves as operators, like what can we actually budget for this property? And if there's lead, if there's asbestos, if there's galvanized, if there's poly, like all those items, are going to make us run the property at a uh, higher expense ratio for sure for that repair budget. W what do you yeah. guys really try to stay away from? Is there like a certain vintage you guys don't like, or are you guys really insuring anything, but the premium is going to reflect that? Um, we can insure anything. I mean, clearly it makes it really hard if I get a, you know, uh, aluminum, you know, aluminum wire or uh, a bunch of fire and murder losses or, you know, something like or that. Or like knob and you know, tube wiring or fuses, something tube. like that. Yeah. It, yeah. It 100%. I've never had a time. I mean, I've had a knob and tube double murder with a fire, like worst case, and we still can find coverage, right? Right. It's, it's just, just awful. <laughs> it's just, I hate being the one delivering what that premium is because it's going to be dramatic different probably than we did at LOI, right? Because at LOI, if I only know what the OM says and it looks like a beautiful little OM and even maybe the syndicator, or the guy, the person purchasing doesn't even know about these losses or the wiring or whatever, you know, that price compared to what it's going to be, if all those factors kick in are really day and night. So, you know, we have pushed our clients more to even at LOI, see if they can dig into any of those items um, because they really will, factor into the price. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And being in upstate New York, so I'm a broker in upstate New York and I'm also selling a bunch of properties up here. And when I tour properties with clients or apartment buildings, they're all early 1900 vintage, you know, 19, 1910, 1920. And, you know, we'll go in the basement, we'll open up the, uh, the electric breaker and it, it'll either be breakers or it'll be, you know, fuses, or we'll go up 
in some of the units and we'll see, you know, knob and tube kind of all the way through, or we'll see, you know, 12 tube Romex. And right there, you know, I tell them, I say, listen, like, this is going to be hard to get insurance on. This is going to be hard to get lending on. And you might have some potential issues. And we had one client that moved forward with it and insurance and the lender just required us to have an electrician come out, inspect everything, make sure it's in good, safe working order. But the, uh, the insurance policy definitely reflected what mechanics yeah. had inside the home. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I, I'm a, I always classify myself as an entrepreneur who happens to do insurance and not really the other way around. Yep. And so I understand, I look at all these things like a business and I'll constantly tell my clients, like, you got to make a business decision. Right. Yep. And I'm happy to run numbers with you, but you know, no one's going to know them better than probably the person syndication the deal. But you know, if, if 150,000 compared to 80,000 on insurance still works in the numbers because you're, you know, you're going to just accept the aluminum wiring as is, and you're not going to put money into changing it. So that 70,000 insurance, you know, thing like if the numbers make sense, the numbers make sense. Right. You know, that's right. what I always say. There's really no cheap insurance or expensive insurance. It's just whether the insurance costs fits with what the current status of the deal is. Right. It, yep. It's just, it's just a numbers game. And I think sometimes people get so caught up when they're doing these LOIs where they're trying to make a deal work so bad mm-hmm. that they end up putting themselves in a bad position that they, they look at it like an insurance number. They look at it uh, as a lending number. They look at it as, you know, uh, you know what they're going to put into it. And they're not just looking at it as an overall acquisition deal. So when the insurance is, let's say, 20K higher or even sometimes 20K lower, they, they look at just that one line item and they don't really equate to what they could do for the deal. You know, for example, if it's 20K higher, are you saving 20K because you're not going to update something? Or if it's 20K lower, can you make your, as you mentioned, your deal more aggressive or can you get a better, you know, uh, rate on your loan? Can you, uh, can you now put 20K into this space, right? Still spend that, what you thought it was going to be, put 20K into the, into the, the complex or whatever. And, you know, get increased rents, right? And those are things that I'm always talking to, at least, you know, my clients about is like, how do you use what the insurance is telling you? Right. Yeah, most definitely. What about like replacement costs for a property? So if we're, you know, looking at a property and we're looking at like a total loss and we want the adequate replacement coverage for the property, not only for the property itself, but for our investors, if we're syndicating, what are you guys using as a rule of thumbs for this? You know, I had, I was talking to some clients about it and obviously I don't, I don't, I'm not in insurance. I don't really know. And I was kind of just using a metric like, okay, you know, a dollar 75 a square foot, um, do that math. And that should be a replacement cost roughly to rebuild it. What are you telling your clients or what's a rule of thumb you guys use for uh, property coverage of replacement? Yeah. You know, uh, pretty similar. And you, you might've had the number in a different way, but uh, right now about a hundred dollars a square foot for, for RC, you know, so if you got, uh, you know, um, you know, a hundred, you know, hundred thousand square foot, you're, you know, you're gonna have, you know, 10 million in, in coverage or whatever. Um, hopefully I did that math right here on your, your <laughs> the too many zeros, 21s. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. You guys get the picture, right? Yep. Uh, insurance guy, not a math guy. Right. Uh, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, hundred dollars, and that usually hits most lender requirements as well. Um, you know, we see a lot in like the ninety to the one ten range. Uh, most carriers are pretty comfortable with that. Most uh, lenders are pretty comfortable with that. It's where most of the uh, RC tools come in. The reason why it's hard to have a um, a full uh, what's it called uh, 
like exact number is that every carrier, if I go to 10 carriers, they'll all have a different RC number. Now they'll all be in that range, but they all have their own wake because everybody has their calculator and they're, they really do build these out. They really do put in a cost for lumber and a cost for brick and a cost for, you know, labor and these things like that. So depending where you're at in the country, depending how advanced the, the carrier's tool is, you know, et cetera. Same thing with the lenders. They're running their own appraisal, you know, RC uh, as well. They never are the same. Um, and so we start off with $100 a square foot. Um, and that's usually uh, gets us pretty close to what the lender ends up coming back at. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That makes sense. What about deductibles? So there's a lot of people that are in the, you know, the belief that the lower the deductible, you know, the safer, but your premium's higher. Or some people say, well, we really don't want to pay that much in insurance. So let's beef up the deductible a little bit higher. What are your guys, again, rules of thumb? What are you telling clients to do for deductibles? And I'm sure that'll vary looking at like a 30 unit going up to 300 unit, but I, I do want to discuss both because I get that question a lot. Yeah. You know, once again, I think it's business decisions, right? So yep. I don't look at it as deductible. I, I, the scenario I always play out is say, hey, you know, on average, how long do you keep a place? Let's call it seven years, I think is kind of a, a roughly a golden number for, you know, what I think people put in their, you know, estimates or whatever before they're going to sell it. Yep. So the, the real math equation is this. Let's just say you have a 100K deductible just for easy math here, right? The scenario is that probably... You know, I think it's like one in every 15 or 20 years. I don't know the exact statistic that you actually would have like a large loss, what I would call. Right. Right. Uh, and so I always say, look at it over seven years and count in one loss where you have to pay that deductible. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I, I used to give the example when I did homeowners. So I, I'm always big on high deductibles. And the reason why is if you're saving 10K, 20K a year, 100K, depending on what it is, how big, as you mentioned. I always say, imagine it's 10K a year and every year I'm handing you 10K, right? And then one yeah. year out of nowhere, I can just say, hey, you owe me probably in that example, 25K, you know, you take that all day, right? 70K, pay 25K, you're a net, you know, positive, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, and so I, I always rather have my money and then if something happens, pay out compared to, you know, giving my money away to the insurance company, let them have all my money in case something, you know, happens. Right. And right. there's oh, a yeah. big difference a lot of time in premium when you start going from five, 10 K up to 25 K or 50 K on the, uh, you know, all risk, uh, you know, uh, coverages for your deductible. If you go from like, a, go to a percentage deductible on your wind hail, you know, one, 2% up to 5%. Um, but really, you know, what I always say is, you know, you know what you have in, the storage, right. Or, or your, uh, your money tank, right. Yep. Do you have enough to cover the deductible if something happened now, just like any deal, right. Just like if people all move out and don't pay rent or whatever, there's always these scenarios that can happen. I would say it's a pretty dramatic experience on a seven year property. If they have two, you know, hundred K plus losses, that would be not the norm. Right. Right. So, I always am like, Hey, you know, you did your numbers based off the norm, right? And you didn't, you didn't go in there and say, you know what, probably three years, we're not going to collect any rents. You expected to collect rent the whole time. You know, you expect to increase those rents each time, of you course. know, you got to do the same for your insurance, put in one loss, one deductible. As long as the numbers make sense, I would go as high as, 
you know, it doesn't make sense as that feasible scenario. for the pro- project. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I look at it. And do deductibles uh, go in increments of, you know, to 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, 50, like, are, are there certain increments that increments? You just that them. It's usually, you know, some carriers have in between there, but usually yeah, it's five, 10, 25, 50, hundred. And that's then you start five. getting into the percentage, you know, the one, two, three, four, five uh, on the wind hail side. Once again, lender will um, dictate some of this, you know, the standard, you know, what's called Arbor is usually allowing you to go to about 25 and 2%. Um, but you can get an exception to go up to 5% and you can get an exception sometimes to go up to 50K. Um, and once again, that really depends where you're at, right? And how big of a risk, if you've got a couple million dollar building, the percentage deductible isn't that bad. You know, if you've right. got a $30 million and that percentage is pretty high, right? So you know, it really depends. And also, once again, if you have a $30 million complex, you know, 25, 50 K deductible, is not that big of a deal in, the, in no. the grand scheme of it. Right. Right. What about for a loss of income? So if the property does uh, go out to be a total loss or there's a fire in one of the buildings and you're no longer collecting that income, I mean, that, that's going to be a problem to meet returns for syndicators for sure. That's an issue. How do you guys properly insure for that? We, 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 those are, we're pretty exact science. We're going off your, uh, your rent rolls, you know, okay. we, we, yeah. You know, sometimes we even do like 18 months worth. So we'll add in an extra six just to make sure, but those are pretty scientific, right? We're going to get your rent rolls, uh, or, you know, or projected, you know, rents because, you know, uh, you're never going to get more than what you have coming in or what you can show that you would have had come in. So it doesn't make sense to overdo that at all, you know, cause you're never going to, never going to get it. If you're getting 10,000 a month and I covered you for 20,000 a month, they're not going to give you 20 because you can't show that you were going to have 20 come in. Right. It's not free money you're getting here when you burn down a building. (laughs) So that one, yeah, we use either uh, a combination of rent roll or projected, uh, projected rents with, you know, it's one of the things we, you know, we work hand in hand with the lender and the requirements uh, and basically what that projected is going to look like. And once again, something very dictated by the lender. I hate to keep saying everything's dictated, but they really do run the show. Yeah, you know, they our job is to kind of, you know, uh, calm them down a little bit and kind of, you know, ask some questions, but they really do, you know, tell us what they want for the insurer, which is a good thing. If you look at it from the positive aspect of, I'm kind of hard on them in a way, just cause I'm battling for, for you all, you know, on these deals, but the, but the positive thing of having the lender be so strict with these requirements and so hard on it and, and it being such a, a back and forth is they really are making sure that you're protected, right? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. when you take away premium costs and all these things that we get all in arms about, the lender is really making sure that, you know, uh, the broker didn't write you a bad policy. We didn't miss a coverage that you need to have. Um, once again, if you do have a loss, you are getting the rents, you know, you do have enough money to rebuild. So they really are a good checks and balances as much as I'm hard on them because, you know, I'm, oh, of to, course. Yeah. You, you know, go editing. Out. <laughs> they really, they really are a great checks and balances with us. And I, and I do overall appreciate the uh, you know, that yin and yang that we have with them. Yeah, no, that's great. And what should owners and operators be on the lookout for if they're going around shopping insurance or looking at, you know, different policies that are open to them. Is there anything in particular that you can kind of, I give a word of advice for, you know, looking out, you know, what you should be looking for when you actually get that policy print out. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
once again, what, I'll go into your question is I, I think you definitely, you know, want to, you know, if a lender's been on it or, you know, go through requirements, but I think how I'll really answer your question is I think they want to look for a relationship, mm. you know, and this is, I guess, a plug for me, but, you know, but really I do mean it that those who treat the insurance broker like a commodity, I don't see an overall NOI for them in their insurance as good as someone that picks a partner and really just trust that person. You know, if you have a good broker and I'm not the only one, you know, uh, you know, I'll put myself up there, but I'm, there's a lot of, of good brokers I'm sure. Right. Yeah. If you have a good insurance broker, just like a good lender, you know, or a good, you know, uh, you know, uh, person who's going to come in and do your construction afterwards, nine out of 10 times, eight out of 10 times, they're going to find you the best deal, but 10 out of times they're going to take care of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of deals with them. Like we just had a deal to close where I ate, I think five, 6,000 in commission because it was the difference between uh, them having to do something on their loan. I didn't even, it was above my pay grade when it comes to the loans, but <laughs> you know, the thing, right. And I only did that because that was like the 10th deal that I've done with that individual. And I was like, right, you know what, right. like I, I'm a partner in this, right. Like, you know, I, I, I can't make commissions on all these deals and thing and, and then not help when, when I can. And so that's really what I see, you know, and, and also who I like to work with. I like people who value the relationship just as much as they value all their relationships and overall, you know, we'll do a good job for them. You know, we'll make sure their price is good. They're, we're always going to make sure they're covered correctly. And when, you know, when you need it, you know, you'll get that help. Just like I'm sure with your lender, if you're doing a bunch of deals with them and really it comes down to a squeeze, like they're going to make that call for you or they're going to do whatever, they can if if uh, if you're treated like a commodity where you know it's like hey hey Matt can you shop this insurance I also have ten other people looking at it like right then it's one, like what are we, we know we here? know how I'm handling that one that day right like yeah yeah one exactly ten or client who calls me for every one like you know I mean it's a big difference you know so that that's that's my recommendation any insurance broker plus the lender should always give you great coverage and take care of that for you that shouldn't even be a stress whether you're covered correctly or not. Uh, but getting deals closed is number one. And right now I'm seeing extension taken after extension taken. You don't want your insurance broker to be a reason for an extension to be taken. You know, mm, that happens yeah. enough on other parts of the deal, yeah. you know, have your insurance <laughs> just done. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. I hear that. And, uh, Matt, this has been phenomenal. I really appreciate you taking the time, you know, like we were talking about before the show here, you know, you've got a five week old baby. Uh, at your house. So <laughs> your schedule has been a little different. And I've got my daughter coming here, my first daughter, our, my wife and I's first daughter coming in two weeks here. So I'm going to experience that. So I, I say all that to uh, thank you and appreciate your time. Uh, there's a lot of operators and owners on here that are listening. You don't mind plugging in where they can get a hold of you, how they can start getting some quotes from me and do some business with you. Absolutely. You, uh, you can give me a text or call on my cell, which is 312. 312- 877-2692. Uh, you can shoot me an email, which is Matthew with two T's, uh, H-E-W at obrisk.com. OB is, you can see probably uh, somewhere here on this, but O-B-I-E and then R-I-S-K.com. Uh, and I'm on under my just Matthew Sudica and all the social medias, Facebook, LinkedIn, as we mentioned, where uh, you and I connected. Uh, you can get a hold of me on there. Send me, you know, a LinkedIn message or a, a Facebook message. Uh, happy to help you in whatever way. I always say, is, as long as you're calling me and contacting me, you you can choose how you want to do it, uh, and we'll take care of you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.